K-Pod people, I'm Benjamin Alaco. And I'm Carrie. And this is Last Year's Horror. It's the horror movie podcast that's always a year behind. This episode, we'll be discussing a movie that reminds us that reading is dumb and bad and will probably kill you. Okay, so there's probably a different lesson in there, but that's what jumped out at me. Yeah, I don't know if that's the lesson I got, but... Stories are bad, and they're always bad, and reading is bad. That's what I got. Anyway, we're going to talk about scary stories to tell in the dark. Yeah. It was directed by Andre Avridal. I am sorry if I totally butcher that name. But he previously directed 2016's The Autopsy of Jane Doe and 2010's Norwegian found footage mockumentary Troll Hunter. Both two pretty good movies... Uh, that I would recommend to people if you haven't seen those. Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark is, of course, inspired by Alvin Schwartz's children's book series of the same name, published in the 80s and 90s. The film has a slew of writers attached, so bear with me as I read the list. Dan Hageman? Kevin Hageman? I was not Hageman. Hageman? Whatever. Patrick Melton, Marcus Dunstan, and Guillermo del Toro. That's a whole lot of dudes. Anyway, it stars Zoe Margaret Coletti, Michael Garza, Gabriel Rush, and Austin Zajur. And it was released in 2019 on August 9th. Theme music. If it's not this year's, it must be last year's horror. horror. It was a horrible year, but have no fear, it's just horror that we're talking about. Because if it's not this year's, it must be last year's horror. And if it is this year's, we'll talk about it next year on last year's horror. And we're back. Our guest this episode is our friend, Maxwell Anderson. Hello. Hey, movie people. <laughs> Hi. Hey, Max. Good to have you on the I show. I meant to do that more like Vanna White, like showcase, like Maxwell Anderson. <laughs> I, I felt know. the camera pan over to me. That, that <laughs> energy was there. Perfect. It's, I feel like it's that kind of name. Like, it's just so like Maxwell Anderson. It just yeah. off the tongue, Max. <laughs> Perfect. Um, how you been, Max? Great. Get some sunshine in. Making sure yeah. I'm getting my errands in every day so I feel nice and accomplished with myself. I hate errands. I don't feel that way with errands, but I'm glad you do. <laughs> yeah. They're good when they're done, not when you're actually doing them. It's like the basic weekly ones. Like, I make salads for my entire week. So when I make all six of them at once and I see them in the fridge, I'm like, yeah, yeah, this week's going to go. This one's going to rock. That's, uh, that's, that's real adulting there, Max. I'm, I mean, I, I could learn a thing or two. Can you teach a class, please? Yeah. <laughs> How do we develop the discipline? Yes, please. <laughs> that's like the crux salad of the man. entire class. It's all based on salads. <laughs> if you can get here first, you can make it anywhere. <laughs> that's it. That's, uh, that's all the people really need. Um, so uh, so we are talking about scary stories telling the dark. Max, did you read these books at all when you were a kid? I did not. I was a big Goosebumps kid. And uh, uh, honestly, I could feel a lot of the similarities once the movie got cooked and just kind of some of those tropes were kicking in for me. And I really enjoyed the fact that it felt like a couple of different books kind of smushed together to make the movie. Totally. I love that we got so many different scary moments. <laughs> well, and that's true. And and the Goosebumps 
books kind of did a, a similar thing with that movie that had Jack Black in it a couple years ago too. I kind to be honest, I kind of forgot about that. Oh right, I loved that movie. Yeah, I, it was good. I, <laughs> I mean, you know, we don't have to go down the rabbit hole there, but that that one I'll say definitely felt more like an actual kids movie, where this one sure is is a slightly older audience. I think. Yeah, definitely. I, I don't think that Jack Black would have fit in in this movie. No, it's, I don't know. I mean, I think he could have done it. I think he's amazing. But this, yeah. this movie is super... It has a little bit of a Cabin in the Woods vibe of how it's winking at itself. And yeah. he could have done that, I think, easily. But it was, you know, these kids did, I thought, a very good job of kind of getting that vibe across by themselves. Yeah, totally. Uh, Carrie, you never read these books. I did not read these. I read them the other year. Like, right when this, or I guess last year, when the, right before the movie came out. I buy them. Yeah, you did. But no, I didn't read them as a kid. Like, I remember seeing them, like, in the library, but I didn't read them. Yeah. I did read a couple of the Goosebumps, but I was, I was such a basic bitch as a kid. I was more into, like, Nancy Drew and Sweet Valley High, and yeah, that that was my stuff. You're basic. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I never actually had these books as a kid. Uh, like I said, I bought them around the time the movie came out because I was like, you know, I should probably brush up on this. But I do remember that in uh, fifth or sixth grade, one of our teachers, like our English teacher, read, I want to say, the the toe one. Because I remember that. And, and as I was reading these a couple years ago, or last year when the movie came out, I was like... I vaguely feel like I've heard some of these before, but they all kind of come from folklore type stories. So it's possible that you've right. people have just heard variations of some of them. I think I knew myself very well, even as a child, and I knew not to read them because I would be staying up terrified <laughs> all night. Yeah, they are. I mean, they're they're pretty kid focused, though, the way that they're written. So. They're very terrifying, though. If you were yeah. a child, I would have oh, been scared. Yeah. And the, the images, as as people know, uh, Max, do you do you know any of the images like the, those black and white uh, watercolor type? images they're really freaky yeah i was about to say that sounds scary immediately it sounds like a like uh what's those those blocks that you look at to uh get an idea of what you see of psychology wise yeah ink blot yeah the rorschach blots and all that yeah, yeah that yeah. sounds like a scarier version of that like yeah this is gonna yeah i think you're yeah. yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I mean they are. They they're they're very they're they're full of like missing spots and stuff. So they're really kind of rough around the edges intentionally and just mm -hmm. creepy. It's good stuff. Fun fact out there for people who are fans of the books that a couple years back they reissued the books, but they redid all the drawings with CGI type images, and people freaked out. <laughs> And they had to reissue it again with the original drawings. So now when you go, yeah, if you go on Amazon, it says this version of the publication features the original drawings. <laughs> I mean, a bunch of people got real pissed off. Can't mess with childhood. That, and that's the thing. I mean, like the re-release is like, and this one comes with more nightmares. It's like, no, we don't want that. <laughs> Give right. me what I had as a child. Don't, don't talk it because I'm older too. Well, I, I think people even said though that the, the CGI just wasn't 
as scary. There's something about the hand drawings that makes it gritty oh, and gross and creepy. Fair. I can see yeah, that. Yeah, they kind of toned it down, yeah. Well, are you ready to start talking yeah. about the movie? Let's do it. Okay, so uh, we'll start with our round of brief spoiler-free reviews, so if you haven't seen the movie yet, no worries. Um, I'm going to have Ben go first this time. Sure, sure. I really enjoy this movie. It's not necessarily one that stands out to me personally as one of the best of 2019 or anything, but I think it's a solid entry. And this is one where I have to remind myself, I'm not the primary audience for this movie. It is a PG 13 horror movie, which right off the bat, I typically don't love PG 13 horror, but I think for what it does, it does well. Acting is really good. The, the kids are, or the, the actors are all pretty young. They hold the movie really, really well. They kind of have the tropes of the different types of characters. And the kind of goofball one does a really great job being the goofball character. Main actress is really good. I think that there's some significantly freaky scares throughout that if I was a teenager and I wasn't as jaded as I am today, <laughs> I would have been really freaked out by some of the, the scares that are in here. I think that the overall overarching story holds together fairly well. It's not the most original thing, but it gets the job done. And I mean, it has a fairly satisfying arc. So overall, yeah, I, I would recommend this to people who particularly aren't looking for anything necessarily groundbreaking, but just a solid, you know, PG-13 kind of teen focused horror movie. I guess I'll go next. I think this movie is very clever. I think they do a lot, especially if you've read the books and the stories. So in that sense, I think it's very clever. It does have, it is, I would say, like still a kid's movie because it has that like a big moral lesson at the end. Yeah. But um, overall, you know, I really liked this movie. I thought it was fun, especially if you want to reminisce and uh, like kind of relive childhood for a little bit it i think that the monsters are pretty creepy and i it reminds me of just the times i'd go to sleepovers and tell scary stories and you know good good fun it would definitely have been a sleepover movie right yeah yeah totally uh max what do you think yeah for sure in that same vein of like sleepover type of movie i really enjoyed uh how it had a little bit of a vignette style in the sense that uh, a lot of the core elements that were introduced were very uh, specifically geared towards each character and it made it feel like you were watching something that was it, it spread the pacing of its scares out for me pretty well and on top yeah. of that it did just follow very uh, classic format of having the proper tropes and the right characters and mm -hmm. yeah I was I found myself, because I'm an actor myself, I have a really hard time just uh, letting actors do their thing and enjoying it. <laughs> I kind of, uh, the beginning of every movie is a little tough for me in that sense, and all these actors had won me over by, like, the first third of the movie, and I really enjoyed it. I was also thinking, too, that the movie... It's, it makes a deliberate choice to be set in 1968, and it feels like there's also some social issues, kind of uh, like some social commentary that's built in here. There's like uh, racism is a, a sort of uh, 
I don't want to say subtle because it, it's pretty <laughs> right in your face, but it's in there. Um, it's not harped on, but I think they do a really good job of kind of bringing in these uh, these additional themes that add certain layers to the movie that I was really impressed by. And yeah, that's what I meant by clever. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's those types of things that kind of elevate this movie from just sort of like any dumb Hollywood, like going for a cheap scare type movie. I think it, it does have a message that it's trying to send, but it's not too heavy handed in at least in certain spots. Yeah. Even the, the setting of being in 68, which was a lot of like political and social unrest. There's a lot of stuff going on. Like even that it's setting itself is kind of terrifying yeah. because there's just a lot that was happening and they do a good job pointing out things without overtly hitting them over the head yeah there's sort of an intentional analogy between the time period in the movie and to me donald trump um because this came out three years after mm -hmm. trump's 2016 win and i think that you know um one of the main characters is latino so there's definitely some of that going on here. I feel like the movie is likening Nixon and Trump. And at the end of this, Nixon wins the election. Mm -hmm. It's never really explicitly stated, but that's what happened that year. They show the video, the footage. Yeah, later. it's like exactly. the end but of a like, shot. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Where he does his classic piece. Yeah. Sign. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Yep. Um, but I, I also just wanted to say real quick before we do discuss the movie, I, I think that this movie is really an effective young adult story yes. for be, like it, it ticks all the boxes that a nice young adult story should follow. It's got themes about identity, themes about growing up, taking responsibility, empathy, empathy, yeah. facing your fears. And they, they did all that coming from. If you read the the actual books, I mean, the stories are like three pages tops most of the time, and they, you know, really don't have any sort of through line. There's no kids that we're following. So all of that stuff that was created for the film, I think, does a really great job of fitting that overarching framework of these kids and their lives and having a lot for, you know, that YA audience to be thinking about and dealing with in their own lives. I will say that I was kind of intrigued by how they were going to do this before we watched it, because I assumed they were going to do like little vignettes or, or, or um, like 30 minute stories. But I kind of like what they did, how they mixed it all together in yeah. a satisfying way. Yeah. yeah, if they had just done an anthology. Yeah, anthology, story, right? thank you. That was the word yeah. I was looking for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I think now it is time to discuss the movie in detail, which means tons and tons of spoilers. So if you haven't seen it, continue at your own risk. You have been warned. All right. So jumping in. So we're in 1968. It is Halloween Day. And we're basically the opening sequence introduces us to all the characters. Um, but before we really start the movie, I was trying to figure out, Max, did you, we were talking about it. What, do you know what the opening shot is supposed to be? It's really gloomy and she does the voiceover. No, I, I remember I was like getting really into it too and like taking notes. And as she was going through, I was like, if this is a reference to something, I'm not sure what it is, but it is dark. Like I remember <laughs> just like having what sounds like a kid's voice kind of drop lines, like the last autumn of our childhood. Right. Like, oh, all right. I 
I see what tone you're going for here. I thought this was PG-13. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that that's a good point. I mean, so right off the bat, she's kind of dropping some themes on us and saying this is going to be, you know, in a way about growing up. And then yeah. she says, like, stories heal, stories hurt, stories are bad and evil, and you're going to die if you read stories. Yeah, that's all true. I thought it was like the smoke, the CGI, like ghost smoke stuff oh. that we see that happens, like at the beginning of when the stories are coming to life. So yeah. I thought oh. this story is technically coming to life for us as an audience. That's what. Yeah, that's what that I'm going to go with that. That makes sense. Thanks. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. Okay, so yeah, so then we get to start to be introduced to this town. We see it's kind of a blue-collar town, small town. We're slowly introduced to each of the main characters. So there's four main teenage characters. I just have to throw out that my favorite one is... Um, Chuck, yeah, who he's, he's is the best, fishing a turd out of the toilet with a literal fish net, fish net, yeah, <laughs> like because <laughs> we, we first see him and he's blowing into this fish net thing and just kind of talking on the phone. No, it's a walkie-talkie. Or, I'm sorry, on the walkie-talkie, you're right. But yeah, we see him and he's got this fish net and he mentioned something about fishing a turd out of a toilet and i was like did he say fish a turd out of a toilet and then they cut back to him at a certain point and he's fishing a turd out of the toilet yeah they did the yeah, classic thanks. thing of the mom opening the door and he's like mom some privacy jeans and i was like yeah. oh man i i hope that mom got a good look at what he's doing so she doesn't think it's something else like actually is there a better turn for him i don't know they did a good job of setting him up as a real mess right off yes. the bat <laughs> yes really good yeah I, I really enjoyed that character well Stella was alone with her dad she's really into horror and writing and then we see um Augie, Augie and he's tall and lanky and the I resident don't... nerd yeah that, that's right that, that's just trying to figure out a good way to say it and then what, Ramon who yeah. is a stranger in this town <laughs> uh, <laughs> hiding in, in his car and um deals with some racism pretty much right off the bat so. Ramon rolls yeah. in and I remember he comes in that car is like oh no my beautiful little brown boy they're gonna be mean to you <laughs> I just I knew immediately and I was like okay let's see how he does yep. <laughs> yeah this isn't gonna go well man and yeah uh, yeah people here suck um well, yeah but Good segue to our uh, our initial villain, kind of. Yes. So Tommy, right? Oh, Isn't yes. that his name? I feel like every bully in this type of story is named Tommy. Maybe he's very he's very much. Um, oh shit! Who's the guy in? I should know this in it. I knew you were thinking uh, that. Yeah. Is it Hank? I don't know. I feel like Hank's. Uh, I'm gonna. I, I'm. I'm sorry, but the, he, he's very much that trope of the bully who we don't really know anything about his home life, but he's. Uh, you know, he's drunk uh, well, for most of the beginning. He also wears a Letterman jacket. Yeah, he also signs up to go to Vietnam. Yeah, right. He wants to go kill those commies. Yeah, so he's one of those people who's like gung ho for the war yeah. and America. America and yeah. um. Yeah, he's kind of what I would consider like your stereotypical jock, like being mean and yeah, you're running the town, quote unquote. So we're introduced to all these people, but they're also like getting ready for Halloween night. And um, Augie and Chuck, they're 
or moms are like making their costumes because <laughs> you know good old 60s when your mom still made your costume my and mom made my costumes in the 90s i know it's it was just more common in the 60s yeah <laughs> thanks for the costumes mom yeah thank you Teresa. and ninja turtles <laughs> one was my favorite and gi joe nice very nice super solid <laughs> um and then so obviously they're getting ready and the the main three at this time, uh, Stella, Augie, and Chuck, they are going to kind of take back the night, if you will. <laughs> and um, they are planning to... We don't know what they're planning yeah, yet, but yes. we see the fishing of the turd uh, out of the toilet. So at first you think they're just going to be vandals, and then you realize yeah. when they're all together as a group that they're not vandals. They're literally taking back the night from Tommy and his bully yeah. friends. Oh, they're like the most no. badass nerds you've seen in a movie in a long yeah. time. Yes. Yeah, it was great. I think this is my favorite sequence of the film. I, I know it's a horror film, but this is the best, this opening. So I, I want to break this down because this is like this is like Ocean's Eleven <laughs> type <laughs> thought went into this whole plan. So think that's why you don't mess with nerds. Yeah. That's the no. here. <laughs> yep. So... Chuck is kind of leading the charge on this, um, but they see Tommy's car come around the corner. They're like, that's him. And so Chuck holds out a, a like a, sh uh, oh my God, a, a, pillow, yeah, a pillowcase. Yeah. We don't, I don't think we know what's in it at this point, but he, he holds it out and just kind of waits. And so the car drives by, someone reaches from the side and grabs the bag. It's one of the Tommy's friends in the back seat, and he opens it up and he's like, oh, it's like old man underwear. Yeah. So they were hoping it was candy. <laughs> yes. Because we learned, yeah, we figured that out that they steal candy from the other kids yes. every year. So. Yeah. So, and then because Tommy's driving, he stops the car, backs up. He's like, oh, they're going to fucking get it. You know, the kids start egging the car. They're like, go egg them. And they just pelting this car with eggs. Then is so that they back up to like, go kick their, they're going to like beat them up basically. Yeah. Right. So he, he backs up and this is where Chuck lights the bag with the poop in it and throws it right on Tommy's lap. It's, I was like, oh shit! Through the window of a of a moving car. This kid, yes. it, it's so wildly it. impressive that I was just like, wow, I'm in, Nailed I'm it. on this kid's side from here on out. I don't really yeah. care what happens yes. anymore. I'm here for Chuck. Yep, <laughs> yep, yep. But of course, uh, his sister, Chuck's sister, is actually in the passenger seat. She was going on a date with stupid Tommy. Yeah, but Tommy crashes through a fence, and then. They run after the kids. Yeah. So then we have kind of a chase sequence, and they chase them to the drive-in movie theater where the kids meet Ramon. And all four of them, all, all four of the main characters get together at this point, and it's clear that Ramon and Stella, they're so cute. They like each other. They're just oh, so cute. Oh, yeah. They're getting all dreamy all over each other while Chuck and I are here. We're here too. <laughs> I also just want to say, you know, like props to Ramon that, you know, he's got nowhere to go. He's just hiding out in this town and we don't know why yet, but we learn later that he is dodging the draft. But of all places he's hiding, he's he's watching a horror movie on Halloween night at the drive-in. I'm like, you know what? He's a good kid. Respect. Yeah. yeah. For sure. <laughs> the, right? I mean, what else are you going to do? Just go to the, the drive-in and 
watch that Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. Definitely so. gave him a strong air of, like, relatability right at the top, because they immediately show him off as, like, the mysterious one. Like, we don't know him, he doesn't live here, we don't know what he's up to. It's like, yeah, but he's still with Halloween. Which honestly worked for me, like, a lot. I thought it was very endearing, that scene. Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally, totally. And, like, you can tell he's nice because he does try to kick out the guys when they get in his car, but... Mm -hmm. You know, he still lets them stay once he, I think he kind of realizes that, you know, they're in a little bit of trouble. So they duck down and into his car and the bullies kind of initially walk past, but of course, Tommy, Tommy finds them. And, you know, I mean, this is also Ramon sticking up for, you know, he's sticking up for uh, the people who can't defend themselves because we know Tommy's actually got at this point a fucking baseball bat. Mm hmm. It's it's pretty kind of scary, actually, if you think about it. This jock oh, yeah. guy is chasing these people with a baseball bat. Yes. I fully believe that he would have killed somebody. Probably. Well, and that's the thing. Like, the only other interaction Ramon had had with anyone at this town at this point was uh, the police chief who, like, saw him at a random gas station. He kind of just said to him, like, hey, you should probably make sure you're on your way soon. So right. the only person he'd even talk to that would be in a position to help him, he already knew. And we knew now as an audience that wasn't going to be helpful. Yeah, right. exactly. For sure. Yeah, yeah. Tommy's trying to get them out of the car, and he says something like, "You know, well, first he calls he calls Ramon wetback, and Ooh. then he says something to Stella about her mom." Yeah. So what does he say? He says like, "Are are you going to just leave like your mom or something? Yeah, or something, like so, that. something like that." I can't remember the line exactly, but. You know, that clearly affects her. But yeah, like a badass, Ramon is basically like, get the hell out of here, you know? Get he away from me. He tells him he smells like shit. Yeah, he smells <laughs> like shit. Get away from my car. Yeah. And then the drive-in management or whatever comes along and they're like, hey, you know, they tell Tommy and his friends, you got to get in the car. You got to get out of here. And uh, Ramon saves the day. Yeah. Hero. And then... We get some exposition about Stella's mom disappearing, and she blames herself. She's very upset by the whole thing, but she doesn't want, She doesn't talk about it. It's the friends who explain to Ramon, so we know kind of her central, um, I guess, character uh, something. Her kind of like her inner, her inner, her inner conflict. I want to yeah. say she feels guilt uh, where yes. about her mom leaving. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she. She is, like, deciding that she doesn't want the night to be ruined is kind of how I'm viewing it. Yeah. And she, I think, she, you know, she obviously likes Ramon. She doesn't want him to leave. So she decides, let's go to the haunted house. <laughs> and, you want to see a haunted house? And so they leave and they go to a haunted house. And so Augie and um, Chuck, I, he's my favorite. I don't know why I keep stumbling over Chuck. Thing. It's something about... Chucky, yeah, makes me think of the doll, you know. I think Wild's play, and I think for me, I'm thinking Rugrats because there's Tommy. <laughs> oh yeah, that's so true. So <laughs> Tommy and Chucky, yeah. Where's Phil and Lil? Yeah, I guess <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so so they get separated basically, and while the boys are kind of playing hide and go seek and threatening to punch each other in the throat. Boy She's kind of giving yep, boy stuff. Is, uh, <laughs> she is um, talking about, you know, the house uh, and how they, 
Well, oh yeah, they break in. I forgot about that part. Yeah. So Ramon does have his knife. <laughs> yeah, they're joking about oh. that earlier. Where the <laughs> yeah, I really like that. Yeah, so they break in. I forgot about that. The, but the guys, when they were in the back seat, they were like, "Do you have a switchblade?" And he's he's just like, "Shut up." And he does. Chuck is like, "Switchblade." <laughs> and then later, he has a switchblade. He just busts out. <laughs> it's like, "No, I do. Come on." <laughs> of course. Yeah. Anyway, she's telling. So she tells the myth, and we learn all about the Bellows. And this is the house that, the uh, the haunted house. It belonged to the Bellows. That's what I'm trying to say. And they owned the mill, which gave all the jobs. Paper and mill of all things. This is scary stories to tell in the dark. Yes. And they ran a paper yeah. paper mill. And um, there's legends of kids disappearing and dying after Sarah, who lived in the basement told them stories and yeah there's a whole mythology yeah. around scary folklore. house folklore yeah, yeah painted as just like the town monster yes yep. so they're going through the house chuck actually has a pretty creepy incident happen to him yeah oh, i was uh yeah at that point i was like is this movie gonna be scarier than i thought it was <laughs> I, yeah, I had a too. moment <laughs> Yeah, oh. me too. I was like, I'm not ready for this level. It's really nice too. The the, the cinematography in that scene, I, I just really like the staging of that. So he goes upstairs in the closet because he's trying to mess with Augie and he's going to scare him and jump out at him. But he goes into the closet and he then kind of sees a light through the door after he goes in and the whole house is supposed to be empty and abandoned and stuff. And there's this kind of red reddish haze coming through and he looks out and there's this old woman sitting on the edge of the bed just really upright and really kind of uncanny creepy sitting there and there's the big uh, what kind of dog is doberman. that doberman yeah. a dober yeah big ass doberman that is the Doberman just staring ahead, or was it staring at him? It's staring it at staring him. That's what I thought. But yeah, yeah. she's just. Yeah, I would have like peed my pants. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't like it. Oh my but, gosh! Yeah, it was. I thought the same thing as he was looking through the window because the thing was Doberman's also is beautiful black, and the room itself is red in contrast to right. this black yep. house and these bright lights, and I was just like. Oh yeah, I I shit myself too. I'd be so scared <laughs> if I were a yep. kid. Yeah, for real. Because and then the woman just slowly turns her head and looks at the closet, and he closes the door. And then uh, it does turn out that of uh, you know it's that kind of typical horror movie thing where footsteps approach, but then it is Augie who opens it up. But Chuck, you know, being smart in this particular instance <laughs> is like, we gotta go. We got like we gotta leave. This is not okay. And so he rushes down to get the other two. But Ramon and Stella have found the secret room. And I will say, the uh, secret room, another callback to this brilliant knife action, he gets out, they have another lock, and he gets out the switchblade, and he's like, I'm going to crack it. And then she looks at him like, let me do it. Like, Mm -hmm. come on, you don't think I can do this? And I thought, (laughs) no. I thought that was kind of a tough skill for someone to have. I was impressed he could do it. Then she just, pop, boom, knocks it out, too. Yeah. I mean, I do think there's something to say about um, locks are actually a lot harder to pick if anyone out there has ever tried to pick locks. With it just... depends on the lock. Yeah, I suppose that's true. I mean, I, I could say that these are, you know, I'd give it to them. These are kind of antique locks, so they probably true. just have a single mechanism in there. I did but think I'm that just, as I was watching. Saying. I was like, you know what? You know how I justified it in my head? I went, those locks are broken. They couldn't put them back if they wanted to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They got into them, but they're done. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, legit. 
Uh, but I gave it to him. It's not a big deal. They, I mean, whatever. They oh, got to yeah. get to the. They got to get to the bad place, you know. Oh, and then uh, the music box plays, yes. and it's the the worms go in, worms go out. Yeah, the the death song, the your next death the, song, whatever. Yes. So they're in Sarah's room. They they find the music box. They find then more importantly the book of scary stories and. Um, and kind of while the other three are occupied, Stella does the no-no thing. Because earlier she says, if you say, Sarah Bellows, tell me a story, the rumor is that she'll, I don't know, she'll get you or whatever. But yeah, she'll you, tell you a story. You'll hear her voice and she'll tell you a story. And yeah. then you die. And then you die. So she has the book and she says it. And we see the shadows start to creep and they make that noise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, they don't. This, okay. <laughs> one of my few notes that I was writing down, uh, I just remember putting down that book is thirsty to be read. The way, the, the way that the pages are just dancing off the corner, waiting for her fingers, I was like, "Yo, could you relax, book? I know it's been a while, but <laughs> book is like, would you like a drink? You, sit down for a while, sit? guys. Yeah. Make yourself comfortable." But honestly, like it was funny, but at the same time, it did uh, like personalized the book for me a little bit i it made me immediately realize that that was the threat like there were gonna be monsters and stuff like that but it really was the book that was gonna be the central focus totally and then of course tommy shows back fucking tommy fucking Uh, tommy man tommy what are you what are you even doing out you know your parents are never watching you you're always hanging out with chucky and phil and lil and Drinking too much Drinking milk. Too much milk. Way too much milk. <laughs> he he is drunk, and we don't. I guess we don't really know that, but he's totally drunk. Oh yeah, yeah. You, you could tell. Like, because I even wrote a note. I was like, "Is he drunk?" Question mark. Yeah. I think well, so. Oh yeah, he's definitely playing it up as if like. And yeah. the thing was, and the thing was, it was so obvious, and people were still letting him go about his business, and that yeah. made it a little bit scarier yeah. of a character. Like, Definitely. Oh, he really does run shit around here. Oh, yep. no. And then yeah. his mom tell, says that he's drunk later at yeah. the farm, but... We never see him drink, though, so part of me thinks that maybe that was an audience age thing where they were like, we've already got so much uh, violence. If we show drinking, we're going to get probably, an R rating. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But I, I did think it was like, why is he acting so weird? And then I, part of me in my mind, I want to tell myself that maybe he's one of those people who's like pretending, you know, he's like, I'm so drunk. It's possible. <laughs> he seems like that kind of guy. He right? does. Yeah, he does. So it was like, I, I was drinking this stuff, uh, O'Doul's, that I found, <laughs> I found in my mom's career. <laughs> oh, man, I'm feeling it. <laughs> feeling it yeah I, I had a couple sips of a wine cooler earlier i am trashed uh, <laughs> anyway. anyway so he locks them in and chuck's sister is with him it's his date and she threatens to talk tell the chief that's what she says yeah and he is, pretends that he's like but, well, he is annoyed, but he's like, fine, you open the door then. And then he pushes her in as well. Yeah. And tells yeah. her she was trash Fucking anyway. Dick, yeah. You're trash anyway. Quick turn. 
Yeah. Which, again, you know, really emphasizing that this guy is a piece of shit. But I, it made me like Ruth a little bit more, too, because, you know, she was standing up for her brother, you know, mm-hmm. and his friends. In the beginning, we kind of see that they have, you know, a brother-sister relationship where they don't get along. But she's still, like, you know, you can't lock people in here. And then she's locked in, too. And so, yeah, I, I, I do end up, you know, I come around for her even though she's kind of snotty but uh (laughs) but yeah um but they're all locked in and yeah i'm like this is actually pretty fucked up if you think about it because who if the if the ghost didn't let them out like it does because it's the shadow that kind of just pops the lock but if it didn't do that i'm like they they could die die. in there they probably would because i don't think tommy would say anything no right that's pretty Honestly, up. Yeah. at that point, like, what happens to Tommy needs to happen if they were to have still been stuck because no one would have come looking for them otherwise. But yeah, right. Easily could have been. And that was our 30-minute scary movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it's over, and everyone's dead. So, <laughs> so they, they get out because the ghost kind of lets them out. The, the shadow lets them out, and they go find... Um, they find Ramon's car and Tommy has trashed it and wrote wet back all over it. Um, cut the tires. Yeah. He's a real dick. Yep. Um, but, uh, Stella invites now, him to yeah. come over <laughs> to my place. invite to the chick's house where he gets to sleep <laughs> in the basement by himself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like what's sexier when you're a teenager than sneaking someone in? I mean. Right? Yeah. That's. I definitely got like teenage strong teenage vibes at that point yeah like, yeah yeah that's like so cool of her i bet yeah she it is really cool. is <laughs> yeah and i guess you know she's a badass but it does she kind of set her up i just imagined you back in high school max being like she's cool <laughs> oh. yeah i would have been in the basement by myself like she she's really cool she's a cool joke. <laughs> As you get some sleep. <laughs> I'm too excited to sleep. <laughs> um, oh, we kind of... Uh, Carrie, you may have said this, but yeah, it, it's it's hit uh, again that Ramon kind of sees that she wants to be a writer, and he says, you gotta move to the city if you're gonna be a writer, and she's like, I can't leave my dad. Well, she also takes care of her dad literally right before that. They come in, and she turns off the TV and, oh, yeah. like, tucks yeah. him in. Yeah. Yeah. But then she's looking at the book... And she sees this story that this one was already written, so she didn't see it writing itself, but it's called Harold. And that brings us to our first real monster. Uh, Yeah, yeah, and she touches it and the ink is kind of wet. Like it's red and That was a nice touch. Yeah. I, I enjoyed that. Yeah. So earlier when we are introduced to Tommy, we saw him on his farm and there's the Scarecrow Herald, which is from the children's books. They do a really good job, you know, with that character uh, or that monster because that thing is just freaky looking. It's covered in cockroaches. It's just... Yeah. Ugh, it's so icky. And the missing pieces of it, I think, did mm-hmm. a lot too. It's kind of like totally. working with the empty space, but yeah, on definitely. a very visual field. I thought that worked really well. It just made him disjointed and otherworldly and unsettling. Yeah. And also like a physical presence, too, in, in a way. His leathery face got yeah, me. Yeah. He's oh. totally got that. Uh, like, it, it looks like it's real skin. Leather right. face. Yep. That was so, great. 
Yeah, so we saw earlier that Tommy was, um, like, throwing bottles at it. And, oh, I guess that's when he was drinking, I suppose. He was, yeah, he oh, we right. figured it out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so he was with his friends, and he, like, they kind of hit this thing, and he's like, eat shit, Harold. And he says it again this time. He's supposed to go, he gets home. Mom says, you got to deliver eggs to the Wolvertons. I don't know why I wrote that down, but I was like, that's a weird name, and I just, it just stuck. Like the they might come back. They might come back. Yeah, you never know. You never know. But, so he he's, you know, drunk, and he goes to the barn, he gets the eggs, and then he walks by Harold, and he says, eat shit, Harold, and then he's walking through, and then all of a sudden, he passes Harold again, and he's like, what? And he's walking down, you know, through the kind of corn row, the, yeah, the, yes. the rows in the cornfield. Yep. And he's, you know, trying to get to the other side, but then he passes by again. So he's kind of like in a, he's in one of those like matrix train station loops where, you know, you run from one side and you start at the beginning. So yeah, but this time he goes by and Harold is off the, off his little stand. Nice roll. Cool. Yeah. A nice little touch here. So Harold is a scarecrow and this time I noticed that off screen you can actually hear the moment that Harold gets up because you hear a crow caw mm-hmm. and I was like oh that's oh, clever nice. yeah it was pretty clever and then Harold is just chasing him down through the cornfield and it's fucking creepy it is and, creepy and then like any real bully once he kind of realizes that he is out of options and no matter which way he turns this thing is on him picks up a pitchfork gets ready to fight and I was like yeah that yeah. makes sense Easily gets overpowered because supernatural monster. Yep. Does a classic turnaround. I gotta take off now. I'm really out of options. Gets stabbed. And stabbed. I went, All right. Nice job for a movie. You, you did the thing. You had a scary scene. Yep. You had a scary monster. And it did the murder. And <laughs> all the boxes were good. Yeah. Like I, I, was, I was content. I was good. Yep. And then to see him start transforming and start coughing up hay. I was like, oh, all right. This is fun, too. And (laughs) he not only was murdered, but basically was turned into part of this whole horrible mythology now by becoming the new Scarecrow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. I did not expect that. He the the and it's very visceral and it's coming out his ears too and he's like trying yeah. to pull it stomach out. Oh, like yeah. the holes yeah yep. oh that was perfect yeah 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 because when it first comes through I I was like why would there be hay instead of blood coming out and then it yep. just goes from there and you're like oh now I understand yeah. I even <laughs> like how he's like he's trying to like throw up almost and it's yeah. just more hay more yeah straw yeah. yeah yeah he starts pulling it out as if to be like once i get this finite amount of straw out of me <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah he i mean the hay is is one of those handkerchief tricks that clowns do it's, <laughs> it's basically that but it's hay yeah, yeah totally. it's so good doesn't go well for him when i was a kid because, you know, my grandparents had a dairy farm. I actually had this terrifying dream that I fell in the silo and I drowned <sighs> in the hay that uh, they kept in there. Not cool. So oh. I, that was actually like a dream I had as a kid. Yeah, no good. 
Yeah, I remember it vividly. So I wanted to touch on this because uh, the the actual story version of Harold, just real quick, um, I don't want to go down that path, too far down that path, but to me, that's the scariest story in the Scary Stories Tell in the Dark it's series. It's a creepy story. Well, yeah. it's similar to what plays out here, except that I think the ending in the story is actually too graphic for yeah, what definitely. they can do in the movie and have it PG-13. So the way that the story ends is... So the scarecrow gets up and all that, and it kind of starts, I think it just starts chasing this guy. But the very last thing is that someone is looking for the kid who, you know, found this or was chased by this scarecrow. And they see the scarecrow stomping across the house in the distance on the roof and lays out, uh, uh, I think they call it just like lays out skin to dry mm -hmm. yeah so it's like he's flayed the kid and is like laying down this skin on the roof to dry in the sun and uh, that's how the story ends and you're just like what the fuck this is a kid's story mm -hmm. <laughs> that yeah. makes sense with the uh, leather face that he had too like yeah how much emphasis they put onto that how grossly real it looked yeah, yeah, it was one of those clever, like, well, the whole, like, her whole book that Sarah's book that she finds, like, all the stories are real stories and scary stories to tell in the right. dark in the book. So it's really clever how yeah. they put everything kind of together, even though they're only using, like, one or two big stories. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, so to kind of fast forward through this next sequence, basically, Tommy is missing. It's a couple days have passed. I think it's the next day. Yeah, so basically Stella realizes that the book, she realizes that the story came true, and they go and they find the Harold Scarecrow now wearing Tommy's clothes. So she is like, what, or Ramon, or no, yeah, she says, what if this is Tommy? And it's, it's a really freaky moment because you're looking at this Scarecrow and you're like, Okay, yeah, that's fucked up. But she does go put the book back, and then... Back in Sarah's room. Yeah, shortly afterwards, Ramon is seen picking it up, and she's like, where did you get that? And he says it was sitting right there. And that's when they find Augie's story. And this time it's written right in front of their eyes. Yeah. Yes, they watch the writing on the page, which does add a nice little element of suspense, as if there's something they could be doing. Mm -hmm. Which I like. But totally. Yeah. True. Oh, yeah. Poor Augie. I know. I, I was... like Augie. I had such I hopes did. for him and Ruth to get together. Yeah. Oh, I... for sure. Yeah, right. I was so it's sad. Like, Augie's a good dude. Yeah. Augie's great. He he dressed up as comedian Del Arte. Like <laughs> I had a soft spot for him right off and the bat. She was the only one who got it. Yeah. So. Yep. Oh, is that true? Is yeah. She, she got it? Yep. Yeah, when they were going to the haunted house or leaving or something, she was like, nice. Right. Yeah, she called it out. Oh. And he's yeah. like, thank you. Yeah. That makes me even more sad. But, <laughs> yeah, but so Spoilers, Augie did not do great. He did not. <laughs> this is going to be a spoiler for the end, but I just have to say, one of the things that I really appreciate about this movie is that it doesn't do what I always fear this type of movie is going to do, which is once the big bad is out of the way and has been dealt with, the people are just magically returned and everything's fine. This movie mm -hmm. does not do that. These people are still gone. Yeah. I think it's one of those, like, moral lessons where you gotta learn what you, you did. Right, right. Yeah. 
There's and, implications and was, for a sequel, but... Yeah, that too. The, uh, the big theme of being an outsider, I thought, yeah. was really well summed up in that, because these outsiders come together to defend each other. Three of them are already friends. Ramon jumps on, and they become, like, a crew. And at the end, instead of being like, well, these people are gone now, it's like, no, I mean, there are people. And if we don't look out for them, nobody's oh. going to. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. I did really enjoy that. That's so nice. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah, so, all right, I guess the lesson is not that reading is bad and it'll be <laughs> <laughs> But so, getting back to Augie, it's the big toe story. So, the story, and this is actually pretty similar to what it is in the book, that a woman finds a toe and puts it in the stew and and then like somebody, yeah as as one does um uh but augie's talking to his mom on the phone and he mentions i'm just gonna eat the stew in the in the fridge and she's like clearly saying what stew and he's like somebody made it i don't know so um as the story is being written they call him to warn him and he does that thing, which is very horror tropey, where he's like, ha ha, very funny. I don't know how you're doing this, but whatever, blah, blah, blah. And but just the seeing the toe bobbing in the stew and seeing Ugh. him go back with the spoon every time. Yeah, it's it's yucky. Yes. Yeah, yucky was... is a good word. <laughs> And that was the thing. I feel like this movie did a great job of rising, of uh, working with tension rather yeah. than yes. fear. Yes. And that was a really prime example of it. Like, I wasn't scared, but I was definitely engrossed. And every yes. time that spoon went in, I was like, ah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yes, for you, sure. You know he's not going to see it, but you're still like, dude, please look down. Please see that fucking yeah. toe. Please look. Please yeah. look. Yeah. He does. <laughs> he does put it in his mouth. He He gets the toe mouth. And <laughs> spits it out, and it's just that slow shot of. Bleh. Yep. Oh. So this such is a also. Big toe. <laughs> it really is. It really is. Yeah, it's a huge toe. <laughs> it just keeps going out. <laughs> but this is when I realized, even the first time, that the stories are written specifically for them and playing up their fears. Yeah. Because he was talking earlier when Chuck was eating something and he was like, you know, there's like seven body parts in that. And Chuck's like, I don't care. So yeah. it, I, I thought that was very, and I don't want to say clever. It's just like a typical trope, but yeah. I, I liked how distinct they made each one. Yeah. Well, this book, yeah, can as this, uh, somebody says later, the book reads you, so yeah. it knows your deepest fear. Yeah. And that's how right. it gets you. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's some pretty good scares in this moment. So they're trying to tell him, hey, someone is going to be coming for you. It's going to be saying, where's my toe? And he's like, you're the only one saying that now. And so I like the cleverness of she's saying it, so he's hearing it. So mm -hmm. the story is technically coming true. Mm -hmm. But... Right. Then he does hear the footsteps coming down the hall, and he hears the real voice saying, Where's my toe? There's also a gross, groupy, goopy eyeball in that suit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because I was looking for more body parts. I was like, where's her ass? Where can I? Forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You get a body parts. 
<laughs> how come how come the ghost isn't like where's my toe and also my eyeball and some various other body parts I don't so, know. yeah these other parts are missing but my balance is really off about this toe. <laughs> I still have one break. eye good enough maybe <laughs> maybe the stew maker like picked parts from other bodies in case he ran away from the Ooh. toe person uh, or ate the eye instead right and then he'd be like this guy my has good eye? toes yeah <laughs> but this yeah. guy's got good eyes yeah <laughs> yeah you don't want to just take all from one corpse you know no yeah mix it up yeah that's, that's called that flavoring that's true yeah <laughs> <laughs> but the, man this this zombie ghost thing pretty damn creepy again one of the things that makes this movie rise above kind of your typical horror is that the monsters are very well realized yeah it's mostly practical and this one is almost entirely practical it's just this really just decomposed tall lanky woman and so she you see her at the end of the hallway and it's just so icky i also <laughs> kept trying to look at her feet to see how big her feet was were because i was like that oh, was yes. a big toe like how big are her feet i mean she's <laughs> tall enough that you she know, was she's pretty probably, tall yeah. yeah she's got that big toe and of course we oh. do see that she's missing her toe but and then the the way she takes out augie classic yeah. Yeah. With the uh, pulling under the bed. Yeah. Eyes under there. To me, and, and as you said, kind of the rising tension, it's the part where he's, so he's under the bed, he's looking around, he doesn't see her, he kind of comes out from under the bed and he looks up onto the bed and that is the part that freaks me out the most because yeah there's just something about that where he's laying down and it's he's prone and so if you did see the thing on the bed, that, yeah, it'd be a little, it'd be rough. Yeah. But, they, but they put him in the under. weakest possible position they yeah. could, mm -hmm. which is great. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, she is kind of under the bed with him and pulls him back under, and then he gets Ugh. yanked into the darkness, and, and we never see him again. Poor Augie. No. Poor Augie. We miss August. you, Augie. I did. Augie. I did miss him. 1968, never forget. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, after that, it's... It's the, it kind of have like a, a powwow, like a group meeting, and mm -hmm. Stella is blaming herself for everything because her and Ramon ran to Augie's house to try to save him, yeah. and they got yeah. there too late, and they just saw his like nail scratches into the wall, which is creepy. Yeah, and um, they're at the the drive-in at this point, and yeah. then I like to come back to the drive-in in the day. Yeah, it looks it was totally cool. different. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. then. Chuck and Ruth show up and they're they're trying to tell him and and Chuck learns about Augie and gets really upset and Ruth thinks that they're like she just doesn't believe it. She's yeah. like, No, She's this is denial. not a thing. She says, Yeah, she she says that Stella's pulling a prank on them. Yeah. She's like, it's not funny. And that's and when she they walks away. And that's when they say the quote that you don't read the book, the book the reads, book you. reads you. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. One well, of my few notes that I took down. I was like, oh, I feel that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's um, good. Yeah, and then there's the, the line that kind of transitions us into the next sequence, which is, how much do we really know about Sarah Bellows? Well, they try to burn the book first. And oh, it yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. And, and then, then right. yes, we have yeah. to and do some Nancy Drew work over here and... Oh, bring in Nancy Drew back. Well, I'm always going to bring Nancy Drew back. <laughs> that was another thing time period-wise that I appreciated was... Uh, uh, we got to do research, and that doesn't mean we can sit in front of a computer. Yes. Let's go to the library. The little <laughs> nerd in me was kind of like, let's do it. Yeah. yeah. yeah do you know that I'm a records. librarian? 
Did you know oh, I'm a librarian? Fantastic. <laughs> yes. I'm actually a reference librarian. Yep. Oh. I did. So, so you I wrote library with an exclamation mark. Yeah. I felt really yes. good. <laughs> oh my gosh. I was like, montage in the library. I'm about it. Uh, like I had the Rocky theme playing in my head as they were going through books. Like they're going to get it. Look at how hard they're working. And they did. <laughs> they they succeeded. They did a good job. Around. Yes. <laughs> they did. They did a good job. They found a lot of stuff. Yeah. Through yep. those old uh, slides. Yeah. and um... So Carrie, can I just ask you real quick? <clears throat> mm-hmm. Have you had any teenagers come into the library recently and be like, we're researching this old folklore figure in our town who... We need um, to know what happened to her. Well, schools kind of got canceled, so... Oh, did Wait, they? What? Yeah. What? I, I don't know if you know about something, that. Was it ghosts? Um, was it... No, it was it was something else. Oh. Different... Oh, that's weird. Different kind of... Yeah. Hmm. No, they should I... open up those schools. <laughs> yeah, let's open them up. Just, I have... I, I, it's that simple. I have... We solved it. All right. Go ahead. Sorry. I did have a lot of... Like, when we first reopened, a lot of people were like, no, I don't need that anymore because it was for a school project, or no, oh. my kid doesn't need that anymore because it was for a school project. Ooh, if they tried to yeah. do this whole investigation during the COVID lockdown, it wouldn't work because they'd be like, what are you kids working on? School project? And they'd be like... Good, good try. <laughs> no, no. I think I said they're homeschool. Hobby. I said they're homeschool. Yeah, they'd be like, we're nerds. Yeah. <laughs> we're nerds. Oh, we're well, you know what they should fun. say? Yeah. You know what they should say? We're doing a podcast. Ooh. Oh. Nailed it. Yes. <laughs> we don't do research on this podcast, so. Um, we do a little. I mean, I took notes. We don't have that kind of time. <laughs> You look up some. You look up statistics that you say later. I do. I do what Max doesn't like. I do internet research. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's the worst. Yeah. <laughs> give me, give me some smelly books, baby. <laughs> yes. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, okay, so they do find out that. The oh, whole... but in case you're wondering, microfiles aren't really a thing anymore. Just throwing that oh, out there. It's a bummer. Yeah. I, I worked at a oh. college library for a bit, and we had microfiche and micro, whatever they were. Yeah, we we don't. They're not really a thing anymore. Most things are getting digitized. Yeah, understandable. But it's fun to run the film strip through the little machine, and it's annoying. You gotta have space. You need space. It's perfectly annoying. It's really fun. Um, okay, but so we learned that the whole Bellows family has disappeared. They all have a story in the book. They kind of get this hint that uh, there's a rumor that black magic was involved, and then we find out that the Bellows family had... It wasn't a rumor. It was in the newspaper. Even Chuck said, if it's in the newspaper, it has to be true. <laughs> oh, that's right. Well... I called it a rumor as a spoiler to what happens later, but, um, but so it's kind of like, I'm just doing a fake news thing. <laughs> okay. The librarian it never to really happened. Protect fake people news. from fake news. So this movie's like fake news. Yeah. There's fake news about the Bellows family. Yeah. You gotta. Fake great news. people. Basically. <laughs> great people. No. So basically this, <laughs> this movie is doing the right thing where it tells people you have to do your research and yeah. question Ooh. your sources. Ooh, I like that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's good. Yeah, yeah. But kind of what this newspaper article is doing is blaming this black servant and her daughter who worked in the house for what happened. And they're like, black magic to be involved, question mark. And <laughs> thankfully, spoiler alert, we find out later that's bullshit. But um yeah. 
which I appreciate. I mean, I, I like how if this movie had actually been made in, say, the 70s or 80s, they probably would have been like, yeah, it was black magic and it was the people of color who were evil. Because yeah. that's how those movies tend to go, unfortunately. Right. Right. Well, there's also, like, the satanic panic thing going on. Yeah. <clears throat> True. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we, we they, they see the red spot starting and oh. the, the story being written, and it's Chuck's sister. And her. so they cut to her, and she's getting ready for her musical Bye Bye Birdie. And I'm sorry, that thing going on with her cheek is disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. <laughs> Absolutely it's disgusting. so gross. I just like to have... <laughs> like the chick next to her is just staring at her and it's like you gotta take care of that honey yeah. well, at first, yeah. it, it does look like no camaraderie <laughs> no everyone's like making fun of it and like yeah. it's so gross yeah yeah <gasps> so, but when she goes to the bathroom and she's prodding at it in the mirror it's it's moving around slightly it and it, it's the makeup and stuff or whatever they did to it looks very real and disgusting. It's it's like really white in the middle and really red around the edges. Uh, they did their research into like cysts and stuff. It's really. Yeah. It was. I was impressed with the idea because we all we've all had pimples and we've all gone to pop that. And right. you kind of like when it gets that certain size and stuff, you get the job done. Right. This thing was taking up half of her cheek. Yeah. And she, instead of using two fingers like you would in that situation, she's just using, like, three fingers on both hands. Like, this is still going to work. Like, no. No. Don't do it. Don't. That's going to be a hole in your face. You can't do that. (laughs) Yeah. But, oh, it was a little too well done for my taste. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Well, she didn't even have to because it exploded itself. Yeah. Yeah. I, you, I, people who listen to the show know I'm not a big fan of CGI in horror movies, and I'm I'm not here either. I think the the CGI spiders that come out look pretty fake, but I I I forgive it because the 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 spot on her face looked so disgusting leading up to it that at that point it's not even about the spiders; it's about the giant lump that she was squeezing. Yes. I was okay with so it. So it got me. Because of a few things. One, it reminded me of, like, I feel like we all kind of heard this story, maybe even from this book, of, like, spiders hatching eggs in your skin. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, that's where that came from. Two, it reminded me of, like, back in the 90s when people said Taco Bell had spider eggs in their meat. (laughs) 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 And, oh, shit, what was my third one? Son of a bitch. It'll come back to you. That was like a urban legend. Yep. Yeah. Oh, there yeah. were so many different urban legends about what was in Taco Bell yeah. meat. How, I, I like the fun, spiders, how though. How funny is it that that was like that was our cultural folklore of? Did you hear what they're putting in that Taco Bell meat back in the nineties? Yeah. yeah. E. coli. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love Taco Bell. Sawdust. Uh, I ate it. Yeah, yeah. That made the line shorter, but yeah, <laughs> yeah right. Yeah. I'm not complaining. Honestly, another part for me that worked was uh the actors. They sold it for me. It's just the idea that she was not only freaking out in the corner, but having him not be able to console her. Yes, that it was great. The, right. The sibling angle that yeah. they had already kind of touched on. Like, yeah, they're rough, but they're, they still love each other. Yeah. That part really put it into focus. Like, oh, they clearly love each other. He's yeah. all about taking care of her no matter what the situation is. And he's not getting through. 
Yeah. It was just good work on both their parts. Yeah. yeah, just the look he had on his face. I was like, oh, like that you, yeah. That was good acting. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I remember. So the other thing I was going to say about spiders is uh, even though it was CGI, it was totally realistic because when you like step on a mama spider, the baby spiders go everywhere. Yeah. I was like, gnarly. <laughs> so, yeah. It's true. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, I, I did appreciate how they, the spiders were like going to eat her. Yeah. They were going to eat her. Yeah, they were. So yeah. Chuck has to go run out and he gets the, the bucket of mop uh, water. Yeah, the mop water and, and splashes her and kind of saves her. They heavily imply that that is what saved her life. Yes. Like everyone else that has it, had to interact with this monster so far ha- is gone. Yeah. They are gone. She's the only one who, she's not in a good spot. She's in a. I believe at that point they mentioned she's in a mental asylum or at least a hospital yeah. because of her psyche. Yeah. But yeah. basically is... they're saying she's out of the game, but she's not dead. And that's because her brother. That's true. Right. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. This is also when um, Stella sees Sarah in the mirror. Oh, yeah. Like her ghost. Oh. Yep. So she's like, it's Sarah. It's not, you know, so she knows that Sarah is actually involved in this. It's not just an evil book kind of thing. Yeah. So then they end up going to Lulu Baptiste's house, who's the daughter of the servant uh, of the Bellows family. And she's not doing too hot i mean she's old seems kind of senile she's got cataracts and generally generally looks pretty freaky but i thought she was pretty she i mean she's mm-hmm. like when i say that i mean it's like old lady freaky like i'm sorry so certain well, old people and I are just kind of scary looking my biggest note that i had on this part was uh uh what was it I would, uh, I'd kill somebody for her porch and those plants. I was oh, thinking yeah. the same thing. Her house was really cool. Yeah. Like everything and, was. And that was the thing. They kind of set her up in this beautiful place while also showing that she is blind. Yeah. And that kind of juxtaposition of no sight versus how much insight she actually had on the situation. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Another yeah. classic trope that was yeah. well executed. Yeah, Definitely. Yeah. Right, right. I even loved her wallpaper. I was like, dang, girl. Yeah. <laughs> She's beautiful. I feel like, so I think it's her daughter who is taking care of her and is tending the place. And she lets the the children in. I'm just curious. I don't know what I would do if I was with my elderly mom and then a bunch of these kids came by and they're like, can we talk to your mom? I'd probably be like, what? It was the 60s. I don't know. Yeah. She was hanging by the door, but... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's true. She it's not like she just was like, All right, well I'm gonna go to the store. Yeah. I mean, this was also like <laughs> the time when like the Avod woman would come to your door, like literally like salespeople. Right. So I, I think it's true. like a different culture. True. But yeah. Yeah, I suppose it's true. Okay, so uh we find out though that so Lulu gave her the book and the kids are like, Was it black magic and she's like there was no magic there is only rage yeah kind of leading to you know that this uh whole black magic thing was just a stupid rumor and again probably really going back to the ideas of racism that this town is very clearly harboring yeah so but she kind of lays out the theme again and she tells them stories hurt and stories heal and you made her angry and then most importantly though we find out that sarah actually hanged herself at the hospital where she was being quote-unquote treated not at her house like they all like they all thought according to the folklores folklores 
So like any good uh, Nancy Drew investigators, they're like, hey, more records. Let's go to the hospital. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought the same thing. This was montage part two. It's where we got the rest of the big information we needed. And it was probably one of my favorite scenes because it was in conjunction with Chuck's. Yeah. yeah. My boy Chuck. It was his turn to uh, get his story in the book. Yeah. Uh, so so sad. So this is also where the kids make classic dumb move where it's a bit... <laughs> split up. Yeah. It's a little too much for me in that moment. I, I that's, that, It's probably the only real moment in the movie where I really roll my eyes pretty hard at, at the, the writing because... No one bats an eye when, uh, well, so, okay, so let's, let's lay the, lay out what actually happens. So essentially they've broken into the mental hospital. They're looking for the red room is as it's called, which, oh, what did it stand for? I wrote it down. Uh, records and evaluation depot. So they're going to go there and that's freaking Chuck out because he's like the red room. I can't go to the red room. That's I've, I've been having, he's been having nightmares about, this red room with this pale lady and yep, that was the opening yeah. scene yeah. yeah or the first scene of like magic interaction that yeah. he had right right but yeah so he's like i can't go there and they're like well why don't you just stay here and we'll just go and it's like <sighs> and then and then they just go and they never really stop to be like maybe you know maybe splitting up in the middle of a ghostly crisis where we're all being yeah. hunted down one by one maybe we shouldn't have like I'm sorry if I was if I was either of those characters if I was Ramon or Stella I would immediately have been like no that's a stupid idea let's I uh, think you know. they're all panicking and they're all panicking because they know they only have X amount of time so in the moment they're like we don't have time for this fine stay here we're going I think yeah, yeah. and that's yeah. the thing I remember thinking like it was such a like split decision it was so like drop of a hat yeah. and I remember writing uh, split up from the group. I'll miss you, Joke One. Like, it was just—it was that idea of like, yeah, we already know what's going on at this yeah. point. Yeah, yeah. So he's gonna be killed. Yeah, but this is one that I'm. This is I'm sorry. I'm I'm not willing to give this one to the movie. I'm like that was dumb. Oh, that's fine. But they. Yeah. So they split up, and they're both having their own adventures here. Ramon and Stella are basically find the file and you even mentioned they find it really quick <laughs> yeah they walk, into, they walk into this red room and they're like there it is and we got it and yeah but they learn more about her like that her brother was her doctor yeah. and that she yeah. was different quote unquote because she was she's an albino and that's why they kept her in the basement because she looked different and then they also tortured her and gave her a lot of like medical examinations that were torture yeah and then they also find the wax cylinder recording yeah so they play the wax cylinder which is basically an old style of record um so it plays a recording and it's a recording of them basically the, the brother basically torturing her and she's saying i didn't hurt the children and he's saying tell the truth sarah I've got a creepy evil doctor voice. Yeah. And yeah. And then I know this is nitpicking, but I just thought it was kind of funny. The the shock sound that they do is so kind of cartoon. I'm being electrocuted sound. It's It was a lot. It's like It was a lot. <laughs> like it's legit. Yeah. 
It's a cartoon sound we, of someone being electrocuted. They were, they were very cognizant of the fact that they only had sound to convey that idea. Yeah. And they were like, it's yeah. got to be clear, guys. It's yeah. got to be so clear. It's got to be like, it's not like they've got like a car battery that's just like, they're like zapping. That's, you know, that's not the way shock therapy actually works, but whatever. That is one I'll give to the movie because they've got to tell a story with audio. I get it. It's fine. I just thought it was funny. Yeah. No, it was. It definitely was. And the thing was, it added a little bit of levity to the fact that we were losing Chuck, which yeah. I didn't yeah. True. Yeah. yeah. But importantly, what we learn in the recording is that she says it was the water that killed the kids. It's the mercury from the right. mill. So we are now And that she tried to tell her family and they yeah. wouldn't listen. They, yep. So they owned the mill and because she was trying to speak out, they had to shut her up. So, Thus, the room in the basement at the top of the movie. Was that for the asylum? And they were like, we can't have her talking, so yeah. the room. Right. Yeah, I don't know, like, if she went, like, where did she go from one to the other? I don't really know. I like, was did she start in the hospital, or did she start in the No, she basement? was in the basement room locked up, and then they sent her to the hospital. Because even later in the movie, when Stella is seeing the incident as... Sarah, the mom's like, next time you escape, yes. you're going oh, to the hospital. You're right. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, you're right. Okay. So, uh, and then... I just thought she was treated badly the whole time because of how she looked. Yeah. Because that's yeah, basically... That's part of it. No, but that's... I thought that's basically what Lulu said because yeah. she felt bad for her and how they treated right. her. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, it doesn't... Yeah, there's kind of, like, two things, though, right? Yeah. Like, it's, yeah, that she's going to tell the people... But I thought yeah. her, quote-unquote, telling stories through the wall was her warning the kids that the water was had mercury in it. I like that. Right. And then, like, they took her out of there and put her in the hospital so she couldn't really tell people. Ew. That's what I assumed. Yeah, and that would make sense as when her stories started becoming vindictive. Yeah. And right. she couldn't actually share them anymore. Interesting. Oh, hmm. yeah. Okay, so... Fun stuff. Fun yeah. stuff. Well, around this time... I th don't they see that the book is again writing a story yes. and it's it's oh, got yeah. Charlie in it and it's the red room it's uh yeah he's he had a dream of a red room and a pale lady woman with a pale face and that's not what I expected with off the description from the book no what do you mean the pale lady oh the way she looks yeah yeah uh, she's a big saggy flush lady <laughs> yeah She's, she's very scary. <laughs> it's, it's unsettling. She's like, yeah. I also her face is flat. Her chest, like, it's all skin, but she has no breasts. But There's then it also just... looks like she's wearing a dress, but she's not. But it's, yeah. yeah. It is. All of it is unsettling. And then just how she, it, like, walks. She just kind of glides. And it's really yeah. set for the, for the idea that this big slab of flesh that she is yep. moving towards him with yep. is the weapon yep. yeah and by the time he actually does get cornered by her trying to get down different hallways and she's around every corner and getting closer and closer and he kind of has that give up moment yeah where he kind of realizes it's over but uh she absorbs him Ugh. into her yeah and mm -hmm. it is slow and unsettling yeah mm -hmm. <laughs> definitely this is also kind of reminiscent of, oh, uh, what is that movie with the kid who dreams stuff that becomes real? Carrie, do you know what oh. I'm talking about? 
Max, did you see that? It was a good movie. Uh, let me shoot. It was called like uh before you before before I wake. I think it was called Before yes. I Wake. Um so spoiler alert for that one, but that's the exact <laughs> same thing that happens to some characters in that where this this but it's a particular creature looks very different, but it, it just grabs people and just right. absorbs them. Oh into it. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But so that was reminiscent of yeah. that, but yeah, still creepy. I mean <sighs> this just the whole thing where she is literally down every corridor like you said and just slowly getting closer it's uh, like mrs pac-man gets she's me. getting you yeah it's oh she more. had a little pink bow <laughs> yep that would have been perfect yes she's just chopping on pellets as she's going down the hallway yes <laughs> oh man but to me like there's something about I may have said this before on this show, but one of my greatest fears is a, a, a monster that you literally just cannot defeat. You can't escape it. There's just no escape. So you're just, you're slowly watching it just approach. And that's, that's what he's doing is he's, there's just no way out and he's trying his best, but everywhere he turns, she's there. And yeah. one of my favorite thing about scary movie moments like that is, uh, when it's so obvious because you're watching a scary movie and you know to a degree somebody is toast period yeah when they when you get to watch them figure that out yeah at the same time that is always good if you have the right actor and seeing him just like really continuously try and like realize that it's over that was mm-hmm. that was the crux for me of being like that's why that scene had tension yeah mm-hmm. i enjoyed that a lot yeah and then when those arms reach around him... She went for a him, hug, and I was like, "That's hugs are different oh. now. Yeah. <laughs> and her, she smiles, too, yeah. at the same time. It's a really unsettling smile. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. Hugs are different. That was Chuck. <laughs> Our boy Chuck. Hugs, hugs are super different now. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Someone comes oh. at me really slow, like, down a hall and tries to give me a hug. You better watch out from now on. Like... <laughs> I'm getting the fuck yeah. out of there. Yeah. 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 You can punch the throat. I, I think as Augie says to Chuck earlier, yeah. <laughs> I will punch you in the throat. <laughs> yes. So Stella and and Ramon are now running through the hospital, and there is a line that kind of made me laugh where they, they run out into that particular corridor and Ramon says, He should be right here. And I was like, You what? You don't know that. Mm-hmm. It's just, that was just like a throwaway no. line that they just inserted in there, and I'm like, we could have done without it because she then finds his little his little booby pen, which we thought was broken. Yeah. Yeah. Did he have a collection yeah. of these? <laughs> he might have because it broke. It, uh, Ramon broke it earlier, like shattered it. I thought unless he had just bought another piece to replace it. That's I don't know. Wondering. Yeah. yeah. I would have believed that Ramon had broken it, used the inside of it to pick the lock, and Augie was like, well, I mean, the sexy part of the pen still works. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. That's true. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. (laughs) So, but, uh, yeah, and the next thing is that they're they're at the sheriff's office. It's really sad because she calls her dad. Before we oh, know that yeah. she's at the sheriff's office, and she tells him, "I'm afraid I'm gonna die," 
Yeah, they have a really teary moment. No dad wants to hear that. Yeah, he's like, what's wrong? You know, where are you? What's going on? Yeah. And then she tells him, if I go missing, I didn't leave you. And then he thinks she's talking about her mom. So he's like, it's not your fault. It was her. Yeah. And but then we see that she's at the police station and she has to go more or less because, yeah. I was just gonna say huge shout out to the actor who plays the dad. I'm I didn't write down his name, yeah. but it, it's Hank from Breaking Bad, and yep. uh, he's he's such a good actor. I feel like he's so underrated. He does such a good job. He's doing a really good job. He's like that tough oh. blue collar guy who has that soft side. He's he's very kind of like fathering and just I don't know. He's got that sensitivity, but also he's yeah you know old school tough guy. Yes. But, uh, these guys they only give him two. Yeah, yeah. They only really give him two scenes to work in. The earlier one is him being taken care of by her. Yes. Yeah. So you're already in like the assumption of you know he likes her, he loves her, like he made decent conversation with her and stuff. But he's not the. She's kind of like in charge of her own destiny. Mm-hmm. When he in that scene is just clearly trying to give her help. Yeah. And it's all he wants to do, and it's very clearly all he's ever wanted to do yeah. because of her mother and stuff, and still can't do it. Yeah. It just, it fleshed him out, and he sold the idea that, like, oh, I get why you were tired earlier. Like, yeah. you were really hard to provide and all that. Like, yep. yeah, he did good work. Yeah. He brings such, like, humanity yes. to that role, you know? Yes. Yeah. We also learned that Ramon is a draft dodger. Uh, the sheriff figures it out, and he calls him a draft dodger, and he. He, so he won't give him his phone call. It's like, you didn't think I would find out. You're going to spend the night in jail. So they are in the cell together, Ramon and Stella. And Ramon... They're not in the same cell. They're in separate. Yeah, they're in neighboring cells, but... Adjoining cells. Yeah, yeah there we go. Yes. Um. So he... <laughs> but he tells her why he essentially left and is dodging the draft it's because a few weeks back his brother was shipped back and he says he was shipped back in pieces which that's where i was like in pieces i know what's coming next and so the monster i think ties into that but oh uh, yeah the first time we watched it i assumed that the weird dude down the chimney was like supposed to be a vietnamese guy but then he's in the story huh. and it's like a fake language. So I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. But I assumed because, yeah, he was like in pieces and stuff and he's like falling apart. Yeah. But huh. it was like I thought it had something to do with Vietnam. So I, I think you're right. I think that's exactly what it was. Because okay. I think it wasn't a fear of his brother or death. It was war. Yeah. Right. And his reference to war was his brother so physically it's how it comes out but i think that's also why he couldn't understand them as well right because that was another huge part of that war of huge yeah. language right gaps. yeah but i think it was the sense of war period something that's gruesome that you can't quite understand that you can't stop yeah and his brother was a reference so that was just a physical manifestation but i think that's what it was okay yeah and the so the like when the thing comes down and it says me tie doty walker that like i was stuck in the reference the frame of reference for the story which i thought that he was saying like my name is 
Doe Walker or something. That's oh. what I thought. It's no, it's nonsense. I mean, it's it's nonsense in the <laughs> book where it just doesn't mean anything. It's just gibberish, and so I think it's just supposed to be freaky. But when you kind of said it's it's this made up language, is like you know if you're doing like a racist parody of Vietnamese. It is from the original book with like me, Ty, Doty, Walker. You, you could almost be like, you know, one of those racist things where someone's just making up gibberish to sound vaguely Asian. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's like yeah. what I thought that they were doing. Ew, I definitely did not think of that, but that's interesting. Hmm. And if, if Sarah Bellows is that evil, you know, she might be creating that monster to do that huh yeah that's like what i always assumed that's interesting so i i actually just i read this to carrie uh shortly before we started recording but in the actual story the mitai doti walker which is what the story is called there's a dog in the story just similar to the way that there's a dog in this version in the movie but in the story the dog responds <laughs> So it it also says gibberish. I gotta find it because it it's so random, and it just makes me laugh. And I, I I keep asking myself, what if they just put that in the movie? How ridiculous would that be? Okay, so in the in the actual story, Mitai Doti Walker, the dog hears this thing saying Mitai Doti Walker, and it responds, Lynchy Kinchy Kali Mali Dingo Dingo. Oh my. <laughs> <laughs> not particularly scary so i semi-problematic <laughs> yeah i don't i yeah for sure lynchy kinchy kali molly dingo 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 well, what? I, I don't what know is, what yeah but, but you're right vaguely problematic yeah i i have no idea what that's supposed to mean but that's just what i assumed the first time and yeah yeah it's utter nonsense but also similar to what the what the creature in this says kind of maybe oh, yeah. problematic yeah <laughs> yeah oh, oh boy yeah so okay so coming back to the story so what actually happens is um the guy sees the story does he see the story writing itself or does he yes. just see okay yes he, and he rubs his finger on it like they did and yeah. it wipes off as well yeah and he says me tai doti walker what the hell and um then Ramon. Ramon hears that and he goes, the jangly man is coming. It's a it's a campfire story that used to scare me as a kid. Yep. So that would I feel like his was the scariest. Like that oh, monster yeah. is terrifying. That thing was pretty fucking creepy. I would have been terrified. Yeah. The contortionist aspects of it. Yeah. Yeah. So first no, thing, no likey. Yeah. What happens to the dog? <laughs> We then we never see. Yeah, dog is okay. I'm gonna say. I remember that was one of my notes. I said that poor pupper. Don't mess with my pupper fireplace. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna say the dog. And just, he was okay. Yeah, I'm gonna say the dog like booked it, jumped out the window or something, and yeah. is running down the street perfectly fine. Yeah, I don't think anything happened. Yeah. I think he just, like, backed away. Yeah. What actually happens in the scene is the head falls down the chimney and immediately says that weird nonsense phrase in a really creepy voice. Me, Ty, Doty, Walker. And he's like, what does he say? He's like, are you shitting me? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, and immediately shoots the head, which is the correct response. 
Yeah. <laughs> shoots the disembodied head that's talking to him. But he kind of just stands there kind of numbly as these other limbs start dropping down and it reassembles itself and is very contortionisty and twisting itself and all this creepy stuff. And it, it is not okay. I don't no. like it. No. It pops up backwards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, not cool. it also has this like cut down the, it's off center from its jaw kind of. So yeah. it like, it's like it's, it's skull itself is kind of, I don't know how to Smushed describe it. back together. Yeah. yeah. Like even it's, even its skull has been broken. Yeah. Disassembled in some way. So, and then it just reaches out and snaps his neck and that's, that's it. Yeah. The end. That dude. Yeah. And that's the end of the movie. Goodbye. All no. the races stop. <laughs> oh. <The end>. yeah. <laughs> he just could you imagine if it, he just starts slowly walking towards the kids as they're in the jail cell and then it just cuts to black? It's like, oh shit. That went in a different direction. But so he throws the cop's body at the jail cell and so they use the keys to get out, but as they're doing that, the thing is squishing itself between the bars to try to get in at Ramon yeah, yeah to try to get to Ramon it also calls him a coward which again ties to him being mm -hmm. uh, tr trying to avoid the draft it actually utilizes that crack in its face to get its head yes. through the bars yes <laughs> for sure it's a functional it's a functional crack yeah. in its head you know it's not just for show it's for getting some dog <laughs> exactly <laughs> this thing's a pragmatist you know so but they get out, they they run out, they steal the cop's car. Uh, well, Ramon gets in the cop's car and he tells Stella to go back to Sarah's house and try to stop Sarah somehow. So, And I'm okay with them separating this yes. time because it makes sense. He even says that the creepy guy is after right. him. And she, so she just goes ahead and gets a head start to the house. Then she can get started on whatever they need to do to return the book. Yeah, 100%. I'm like, this is this makes sense, because he's going to try to distract it so that, yeah, she's going to be safe for a little while. Mm -hmm. yeah. But, yeah, this thing also, I just have to say, really reminds me of the Creeper from Jeepers Creepers. Oh, yeah, Very totally. Creeper vibes. Totally. So the the shape of its face, the, the way that it kind of... You creeps. Know, yeah, similar <laughs> to the Creeper. I mean, the Creeper so gets its creep. form by eating people. And this thing disassembles itself. So there's there's weird bodily things going on with both of these creatures. So I was like, I don't know, I appreciated that. But um, also Jeepers Creepers is directed by a convicted uh, pedophile. Oh, that's so, right. I forgot. Oh. Yeah. So I kind of I kind of hate those movies after I learned all that. I have never watched the third one and I really have no interest in it. Same. So, yeah. So, um, you know, yep. Yep. So that's that's the thing. But, you know. Th this this monster, not a pedophile, not <laughs> created by a pedophile. As, That's true. As, far as we know. Yeah. That's true. He's at least 18. He's got drafted. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> too much. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> He's a safe monster. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. He's just going to um, rip you to pieces. Promise. Yeah. <laughs> Might be a little bit racist. Yeah, maybe. So there's that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's that. So... 
Oh yeah, and then while he was squeezing through, squeezing through the bars, that's when we saw Nixon on TV, and I think that was like his uh, acceptance speech or victory speech or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, okay. So the jangly man is on the cop car while Ramon is driving away, and Stella's running to the house, and Ramon gets the thing onto the front of the car and slams into a truck, and we see the functional aspect of this thing falling apart again. So the it its limbs just. Like all come Ugh. off and it rolls off, it rolls to the side, and it reassembles and still chasing him. And the way it moves upside down. Mr. Bojangles and... was very unsettling. He... <laughs> <laughs> the, Bo- he just... the Bojangle man. Yeah. Aww. I love Bojangles. The real dude. Yeah, Jangles I was a dancer, and so. Yeah, I'm not a fan of this Bojangle man. Oh, <laughs> so anyway, so Stella's at the house and she gets there. And she is she's had it with Sarah. She yeah. is done. She's like, "Fuck you, bitch." Yeah, I know you're innocent. Direct quote. Yeah. Yep. She tells her she knows she's innocent, but she needs to stop. Yeah. All right, and then she hears hears the music from the the music box, and she warps into a different time yeah basically she turns into sarah she is sarah in the past and it's it's legit and we know it's legit because ramon he when he escapes from the after the car crash and the thing comes after him he runs to the house he's in our time she's in that time he finds her glasses as if they've been lying there for a hundred years or so so we know she's really in the past Mm -hmm. and she is running from the family because they're trying to find her. Because to... she got out. Yeah, she escaped. And that's where, as Carrie said earlier, they said, next time, you know, you're going to, yeah. we're going to take you to the hospital. I was so nervous. I was like, oh. I don't want them to find her. Well, and the the, bro- the thing is, the brother is walking around with a belt. Yeah. Yeah. Flashbacks. Yeah. Ugh. It was, yeah, I was, I, I remember watching her, like, in that scene, I was like, oh, this is, like, so much worse than the supernatural stuff. Yeah, yeah, for it's, sure. It's terrifying. You, you really see how evil this family is to her and how just how awful they are. I mean, and even so, man, it's pretty dark. I mean, so so Stella slash Sarah hides under the table because uh, the little girl, Lulu, Lulu points, her, points for her to go down there. And the family asks Lulu, is, have you seen her? She says no. And but then they do find her under the table and they they take Lulu out and Lulu is like, please no. And he's yeah, still the, got the fucking he, belt in his hand. They're and definitely like, going to oh punish Lulu for helping. This is, yeah. Yeah. Pretty fucked up. So, but, you know, one of the things I that I like about this movie, too, is, again, like, kind of YA, also dealing with real-world social issues like that, mm-hmm. where they're not, they're not necessarily sugarcoating that. No. How, like, that level of racism and all that. So, you know, it, it's there if you're mature enough to pick up on it. Yes, for right. sure. Right. Stella gets stuck in the room. They throw her in there, and she sees Sarah's ghost. And it's all, like, skeleton-y and ethereal and shadowy. And Stella basically tells her, I'm going to tell the truth about what happened to you. You know, you were a victim. Now you've become a monster. So she's sympathetic, but also she's saying you've you've become the monster that everyone said that you were, and that's not okay. So I'll tell the truth. All this rage has to stop. And because right. Stella, I mean Sarah, starts to tell her a story. She's like, "I have a story for you." Yeah. And Stella's like, "No, 
No, you're I not. I have a story for you. Yeah. That's what she says. Yeah, yeah. Ain't no one got time for your stories anymore. Right? It's time for you to listen. Yeah. You've been a bad girl. Sit down. Yeah. What happened to you was not fair. Mm-hmm. But you were taking it out on the uh, inappropriately. <laughs> Let me tell you a story about two yeah. beautiful boys chucking on me <laughs> that you <laughs> took away from me. I'm like, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Sarah's like, oh, shucks. Well, so Sarah, Sarah takes her verbal spanking, and she's like, you're right. Yeah. And she gives Stella the the pen that you have to use your blood ink. Yeah, it's a fountain pen. Yeah. So she has to use the the nib, and she stabs herself in the thumb. Yeah. So she she tells Stella use your blood, and. <laughs> she starts saying something like, Sarah Bellows was an innocent girl mm-hmm. who something, something, and her evil family and mm-hmm. something. So, yeah. yeah. She tried to be good. Her family was bunk. Yeah. yeah. Be yep. cool to Sarah. <laughs> she she yeah. would yeah. cut yeah, to the quick, much. as if she didn't she have did. enough blood to write with or something. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> That's legit. Yeah. Smart thinking on her part. I'm going to make this real short. Yep. <laughs> and I remember there thinking that, too. Sarah, some bad shit happened to her happily ever after. <laughs> I was like, you do need to cut to the point. Like, you you are undercutting Sarah a smidge, but I get it. You know what? Yeah. 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 For sure. Yep, yep. Uh, she, yeah, she says, you can let it go, Sarah. And then Sarah screams in a big ghostly scream and then vanishes. And it's like this, all this rage... I, I like that. It's like you can sense that, you know, it's like all her rage all at once that she's just kind of finally letting go of. Mm-hmm. That was yeah. nice. And at the same time, then the jangly man has found Ramon and he was about to kill him. So and at that moment, the jangly man just <laughs> falls apart. And yeah. Ramon is all right. Plop, plop, plop. And then, <laughs> and then, yeah, it doesn't have that pretty bow tie ending like your bow tie i mean like tied up with a bow yeah, not yeah. a bow tie yeah, but, um, I yeah, yeah. yeah. ribbon ending where Back to that pack woman yeah miss pac-man pac-woman yeah. pac-man How they don't pac just call woman. her pac-woman no it's mrs it's pac-man. A little clunky. miss pac-man yeah. <laughs> i would i like pac-woman well, it's because we're not getting into this <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so they don't call him Mr. Pac-Man. Yeah. Well, no respect. No yeah. respect. I mean, pretty much is what it comes down to. But I'm just saying. Um. <laughs> so, yeah, the the friends don't come back. Yeah. I mean, we really don't care about Tommy not coming back. Yeah. But, true. Uh, the friends don't come back. We do see that people do face all their fears. Like, Ramon, he's on the bus, he goes to war. She submits her story about Sarah to the school paper, and she wins first place. Yeah. And before, at the very beginning, she was saying, you know how our school is, I'm not sending my stuff to them, blah, blah, blah. Right. And she signs her her, her letter to Ramon with love, so you're like, mm. yeah. and he wipes Aww. a tear away. Yep, and she says, yeah, come home soon. And <sighs> then the ending is pretty good. It's, it's, uh... Her, her dad, and Ruth. And so they're driving. driving. About this ending. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, it just shows that strength of getting through something. Because not only was it, I really enjoyed the fact that uh, her resolution by writing the story, it did not make her popular. It did. Right. She makes a point to say, like, yes. and some people are like, just like Scary Mary, to try to, like, tell a creepy story and all that mm-hmm. stuff like right so she still gets her resolution but it isn't in the sense that it's like because she's popular she's cool now or because people yeah. like her 
That was really strong. And then to have the survivors of this group and her father, like, to show that she had had some kind of resolution with him and that he believed her and was like, let's go find your friends then. Let's let's do this. It was super duper unifying good vibes that generally I will scoff at at some movies, but it felt really earned. The yeah, people they have for sure. Car. Yeah. All right. So I guess it's about wrap up time. Uh, we do have two questions that we need to answer. The first was, is this movie scary? I'm going to I'm going to say, yeah. All right. I, I mean, ahead. so it's not scary to me personally. Exactly. There, there were tense moments throughout and I'm creeped out by some of the imagery, particularly the pale lady freaked me out. But I think it's. Going for a PG-13 audience, this is a movie for teenagers, and I think in that sense, it's got plenty that if I saw this as a kid, even if I was, I don't know, 12, 13, 14, somewhere in there, I would have been like, what the fuck? What is that? (laughs) You know, so I I think, yeah, Um, I'm not crazy about CGI, but I think that the, the characters have so much weight to them. The actors do such a good job that I look past some of those minor points that, you know, aren't really my cup of tea Mm -hmm. and i would say yeah i think i think it's scary where it needs to be scary i think it's got those as max said at the very beginning i think the pacing of the scares is really good too so definitely i'm gonna say yeah yeah well i agree with everything you said i'm also gonna say that i think it's scary for all the reasons that you said but also it's scary because if you think about it we're both writers and what if everything we wrote down came true yeah that'd be terrifying i would also just start writing about world peace and butterflies and bunnies <laughs> and like happy things but i mean you'd be the most miserable of... writer but you'd be yeah miserable exactly <laughs> yeah. so it would be ter- it's it's scary the thought of it actually happening is also terrifying i don't know i think yeah, for all that you said, as well as some real life stuff, makes it scary. Yeah, yeah, I think I'm in the same boat of uh, they they nailed their audience for sure. Yeah, like a lot of the issues that they deal with, the fact that each scare is related to them mentally, and each one has to do with the isolation and loner angle. It just it's too easy for any kid to tap into that. Everyone feels like that at some point. And so because of that, I think each scary part really held its weight. And it was almost for me more like uh, suspense rather than horror in a sense. But that's because I'm a little bit older. And I think the movie really executes well what it's doing. Yeah. Totes. All right. Our second question. Does this movie have lasting appeal? I think it does if you read the books as a kid. I I think for, like, a certain generation, it does. I don't know if it's something that people who, like, haven't read the books would be interested in. I don't know if it's something that people who have read the books are going to want to watch over and over again. But I think it definitely is hitting, like, a niche market. So to that market, I think it's going to be more impactful and important than others. I think it's going to have lasting appeal for really two things in particular. The the uh, shots, they use great colors. They have really yeah. good movement, nice lighting. Like They're very cognizant of the fact that they are making a visual picture and you're going to be super swept in. And uh, their, uh, their little comedian, Chuck, 
I yeah. think every good scary movie needs that lovable goofball, and that's never going to change. And he yeah. really sets that up for you early on, makes you care about his character, makes you want to laugh at the scary stuff that's going on with the characters. For those two things alone, I I can see myself easily like rewatching this every couple of years, just like, oh yeah, I love that movie. Yeah, I you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna say I think it does have lasting appeal for a slightly different reason. I actually can't think of many YA horror like this that that's targeted for teens that really hits on so much that is specific to you know, growing up at that age, you know, a teenager going through these types of issues that as they try to find themselves, the way that so much YA fiction does, because I, I know that world a little bit better, actually, than, you know, movies that are targeted for teens these days, because I just don't really watch a lot of them. Um, you don't. Other than maybe, like, the Marvel movies or something like that, I guess. But those are so big that they, they transcend yeah. that audience, so it's for everybody. Same thing with Star Wars and all that. But I think this, as a YA... I, I'm calling it YA because it really feels that way to me. It doesn't just feel like a PG-13 movie. It feels like this is specifically hitting all those genre tropes that YA fiction does, which is, you know, it's very much about, as I said up front growing up, learning who you are, facing your fears, and, you know, taking on that responsibility and stuff like that, while also in the midst of a larger societal moment. So I can't think of many movies that do that, and I, I hope that in a small way this movie can be a little bit of a trendsetter in that sense, that that horror for a PG-13 audience doesn't just have to be the really silly kind of, like, go for the, you know, lowest common denominator type yeah. scare, you know? So it, it has some of that in there, but it's also a smarter story about teens. Does that I, make sense? Yeah. I feel like I'm just jaded because, uh, and again, this is just the library I work in. So it's just our community locally. It's not like the, you know, all of the U.S., but at the library is mostly people our age who got this movie, maybe one or two, mm. like, younger, like, I want to say like 10 year old boys but for the most part it was people like from our generation who got this movie and were interested in it so yeah gotcha. that makes sense yeah well those... i hope you're right yeah but yeah yeah i mean it, it's we'll, we'll see i mean it, it's a guess right i mean yeah. i will say a year later i don't think that many people are talking about this movie mm, in a way that's yeah. like remember that movie oh my god that movie was crazy there, there there was a lot of buzz before this movie came out and then it came out, and I feel like instantly people just kind of moved on. Yeah, which that happens a lot, It's though. very part of our culture, yeah. too. But, you know, we get real excited about a thing, then it drops, and then we're like, cool, what's the next one? So, yeah. I don't know. But, you know, I'm hoping that in that sense, maybe in, a, in, a, in that way, because it did really well, that maybe big studios are going to take a look at what this movie is doing, and this could potentially set up some more intelligent pg-13 horror movies totally so i'll tell you what we'll i i'm down for the sequel if they want to yeah. do it i'll be there yeah all right awesome we're gonna do it well before we go max is there anything you wanted to tell our listeners are you involved in anything you want to plug anything uh i clean the stalls out all the horse and donkey poops every <laughs> like sunday evening so if you want to oh. swing by by the road i'm i'm generally pretty pretty good about it 
Just come on down to beep, beep, <laughs> and I'll and I'll be there. All right, cool. awesome. Yeah, yeah, cool. I know. Um, in your free time, one of your hobbies is that you make little plush oh. figurines. Yeah, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll plug that. I have a Instagram account, and it's Fanatic Felts. Feel free. Oh. You can see a whole bunch of uh, nerdy pop culture, video game, literature stuff that like toys that i make kind of help they're so cool. very cool yeah yeah we're definitely gonna link that yeah awesome <laughs> okay cool thanks max uh listeners out there if you enjoyed what you heard in this episode and you want to support us we'd love it if you left us a review on itunes subscribed and shared the show with your friends we would be eternally grateful yes we would and this is it for this episode of last year's horror but before you go don't forget to subscribe and follow us on twitter facebook and instagram for news and announcements okay bye goodbye bye